Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Sky Liam Patterson about his improvisational journey. We'll play a couple games and most importantly, learn how he improved his life. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans, and today we are joined by the immensely talented Sky Liam Patterson. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sky. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. That's one of the more generous intros I've received. Good, good, good. You know, we always try and butter up our guests here at Improv for the Podcast. Yeah. It's our first move. We're just really trying to earn a new sign that fully lights up. So whatever it takes. I support that. Yeah, yeah. And also... You are immensely talented. That just happens to Thank be true. Thank you. Thank you. It happens to be true. All right, Sky. Well, we're so glad to have you here today. We're going to jump into our interview in just a moment. But before we do, as always, we're going to play a little improv game called Three Things. Have okay. you ever played that game before, Sky? I have played that game before. Excellent. Michael. Excellent. Now, there is a bit of a twist that we like to do here on the podcast. We play three things, but it's personal. So these categories that... I'm going to be throwing at you. You're going to list things that might have to do with something about your personal life. That's what makes it interesting. Okay. Anything you need from me, Sky? Um, the first category. Uh, the first category. I like a guest who is prepared. Here we, here we go. These are three things. Best fruits. Watermelon. One. Bananas. Two. Apples. Three. These are three things. Your favorite words in Mandarin. Oh, um... Hen hao. One. Uh, main yu. Two. Shuai ge. Three. These, These are, are three things. things. Ooh. <laughs> Favorite weapons you know how to use. Favorite weapons. Broadsword. One. Staff. Two. Bullwhip. Three. These, These are, are three, three things. things. Oh my goodness. That was amazing. You were ready to go. See, uh, we like to do our research yeah, here at Improv for the Podcast. Yeah. Nice categories. Yeah. 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 We personalize them, right? That's what's good about it. All right, guys. So I got a couple questions for you. I mean, right off the bat, your top three fruits, excellent choices. I myself am a banana man, so I appreciate Bananas. you choosing that. Got to have the potassium every day. And I was eating some watermelon today. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how Delicious. good it was. Delicious. Now, are you one of those people you just like slice it up? You got one of those little things that makes like the watermelon balls? I'm not that sophisticated. Yeah. This was, uh, it was like a... A half watermelon that I bought. So it's real easy just okay. to okay. slice that and eat it, bite straight into it. Oh, man. Man, you're selling it right now. You're selling it. I know. It was We're cold out of the here. fridge. Oh, yeah. In this hot room already. I'm I know. sweating. Yeah. But uh, I'll if, join I in, if I were biting into a watermelon, I'd be a happy man. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sky. <laughs> All right. So next, I got to ask you. You listed three words in Mandarin for me. I did. Uh, can you tell me the translation for those words? Yeah. The, the first one, well, it was actually two words. It was... Hun hao, which means very good. Mm, yeah. um, that's that's you know anytime you're having a conversation. Well, this um, goes for English too. But <laughs> hopefully, um, if you're having a conversation with someone in English, you can understand mostly what they're saying. Sure. If you're having a conversation with someone in Mandarin and you don't understand everything they're mm. saying, you just go like, mm, dui, dui, which means like, oh yeah, right, right, or oh, okay, oh, mm, mm, hao, hao, hun hao, which means like good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you just kind of, it's uh, what is that positive reinforcement, yeah, you know, yeah. active listening. Yeah. Mm, so uh, I probably say that one a lot. Write those conversation notes down, people. Yeah. And I think this, the second word was <laughs> menu, which means a beautiful woman. Mm. 
It's a, it's a good one to know, um, especially in my line of work. I host a lot of beauty pageants. Oh, yeah, that's a key one. Yeah, and then the third one, actually, these are all two words. Okay, um, okay. But the, the third one was shui ge, which means handsome man. Oh, and, uh, handsome man. Yeah, and you know what? Everybody's a handsome man, I mm, think. Or, wow. if, if you are uh, a non-Chinese person who speaks Chinese, I think it automatically makes you a handsome man. Wow. Oh my goodness. We all, we all, we get it a lot. Okay. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. So you are ready for any romantic situation then, you know, handsome man, beautiful woman, you're Ex- good to go. Exactly. Oh, That's man. right. Yeah. It's like uh, filling out a Mad Lib, right? <laughs> one beautiful woman, one handsome man. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Okay. And jump into that third category. Um, so I did a little, little bit of background research mm-hmm. on Sky here before he <laughs> came on the show. And Sky is a just, I mean, beyond, I can't, proficient is not a good enough word. A multi-talented, weapon-wielding martial arts master, I mean, is the best way I can put it. Um, so I saw you had a weapons reel on your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's more, it's a martial com- arts com- reel, yeah. but... Um, yeah, I have some weapons on there. Okay. Yeah, and I just I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I get, we got to talk about this. This is awesome. I, uh, you know, I did Taekwondo growing up, but really, uh, it didn't stick. I think they let us get our black belts too early. Interesting. I was twelve when I got my black belt. Okay. I don't I don't know what happened after that. I think I just fell off, and you know. Other things. Where, where else is there to go? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you reach exactly. the top. Exactly. I peaked too soon. I peaked yeah. in middle school. I guess. Oh, you're not the only one. I've, you know. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. <laughs> so uh, I want to ask about kind of your journey. You know, before we talk about improv, mm-hmm. who cares about that? Uh, I want to talk about your kind of your journey, your experience with martial arts a little bit. I'd love to hear about that. <sighs> yeah. Well, when I was a, a little kid, I was um, just very kind of bookish, um, mm. always focused on, I, I, I said this the other day in an improv class ah. for the question of the day. And I think it was a, our friend, friend of the podcast, Annie Rose. Ah, yes. Friend of the podcast, Annie Rose. Laughed in my one. face. Uh, cause I told her I was a nerd growing up <laughs> and I, but I was, I was, you know, just focused on school. Basically mm. I was not athletic at all. And I decided that I wanted to pick up a new hobby. Mm. And uh, I had never tried martial arts. I watched a Bruce Lee movie with my brother. And he said, well, if you want to try martial arts, you should do Chinese Kung Fu. Because that, that's what Bruce Lee did. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, you know, a lot, he did a lot of martial arts. But um, he started with a variation of Kung Fu. So I just Googled. I, was, I lived in Portland, Oregon, so okay. where I grew up. And yeah. I Googled Portland Chinese kung fu schools. I mean, yeah. I I found one and I signed up and uh, I just kind of I took to it like a moth to a flame. Moth I just flame. was attracted and I couldn't stop. Hmm. And I started going five days a week, six days a week. I started teaching. Um, and then right before I went to college, I, I read this book called American Shaolin. Shout out to author Matthew Polly. Matthew Polly, future friend of the podcast. Future friend of the podcast. He does a lot of podcasts. All right. He's a great know. guy. Um, he also wrote a great, great biography of Bruce Lee, too. Oh, okay. And yeah. he was a student at Princeton in like 1991, mm-hmm. and he dropped everything, and he moved to China, and he lived at the Shaolin Temple for two years. Wow. And he, and he change. spoke Mandarin. Yeah, he, he wanted to change his life. That was yeah. his goal, and, and he did. And he wrote a book about it, great book. And I was so inspired by 
this journey that he mm. took. I mean, it's incredible, all the things that he did. And it's very entertaining as well. And so I wanted to do that. And the only way that I could see myself doing that was through study abroad in college. Because mm. uh, I had never even been out of the country. Sure, sure. And in order to study abroad, you had to take at least three semesters of Mandarin. Mm. So freshman year of college, I just uh, jumped into it. I started taking the classes. And then my junior year, I ended up studying abroad. And I was technically in a Chinese immersion program at Peking University. But then after school, I bust across town to uh, a different sports university mm. and I do martial arts there five days a week. Oh my gosh. And then um, after I finished my degree in the States, I ended up getting uh, a scholarship from the Chinese government to go back to China to that same sports university and then do martial arts full time there for a year. Wow. So I was in China. I was training, competing. I also ended up doing a few movies there. Wow. And then I came back to the United States and I competed a lot for about two years. I just like, I did any tournament I could drive through, mm. uh, drive to okay. all throughout California. And I, I did one in Oregon and um, yeah, as much as I could. And I did wow. Taekwondo. I actually competed in Taekwondo too okay. in college. Okay. I was on the Taekwondo team. Yeah. So we have so much in common. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> well, both uh, both masters in our respect. Exactly. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Don't test me on that though. Uh, <laughs> that is honestly incredible. Thank and, you. Um, I just, yeah, that story. You had such drive and focus even before you went to college, which I think is not always true of people. I, I don't know that I did. Well, just you're realizing like, hey, I want to, like, I know I want to go to China and I want to study there. Like, these are the steps I need to take mm -hmm. to make that happen, which, you know, jumping into language classes as a freshman and making those moves is, you know, it's pretty amazing. And that discipline, I think you demonstrated through all of that, you know, continuing to practice your martial arts, your Kung Fu, as well as learning a language and then immersing yourself in an entirely new culture. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, thank you. I remember one of the academic advisors when I wanted to sign up for uh, mm -hmm. Mandarin classes, she was like, are you sure? You know, that that's hard, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I always had a lot of fun in the Mandarin classes. Yeah. I ended up switching my major to Mandarin, actually. Wow. Yeah. So when people ask me what my major was in college, uh, they usually are pretty surprised. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could be honest. I didn't know Mandarin was a major, so I just... Well, it's it, it's East Asian languages and cultures, but okay, you have got to it, got it. specialize in one language. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. This man knows his stuff. <laughs> All right. All right. So, big background. Uh, that's a big part of your life. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that. So now, let's get into this, because you've got this background in martial arts, studying Mandarin, um, this experience being in movies, all these amazing things. And I want to know... How improv ties into all of that? Where was the first time in your life where you heard about improv? Not necessarily the first time you did it, but just the first time you were exposed to it. Oh, probably the first time I'd ever heard of improv. I think it must have been Whose Lines It Anyway. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Either in elementary or middle school. I don't remember when. I, I know that uh, in middle school at one point, I did like a theater classes and one of our homework assignments was to, to go home and watch Whose Lines It Anyway. Wow. And so that was probably the first time I'd ever heard of improv. Okay, and then okay. we ended up doing improv in that class too. I think we had like a guest teacher come mm. in and, and I loved it. It was yeah. just so much yeah. fun. 
That's fantastic. And I mean, shout out that teacher for giving that homework assignment. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's really cool. So yeah, whose line? I think I know for me, yeah, that was a definitely a big mm-hmm. way I learned about improv as well, just initially. And then getting to try it out in middle school, sounds like there was a guest teacher that came in. Really amazing. Really amazing. So your improv journey started in middle school then. And then where did you go from there? Did you do more improv in high school? Did it lay dormant for a little while? What did that look like? Yeah, I, I loved it from the first time I started it. And then in high school theater, we also had like a, a guest teacher come in. We mm-hmm. did a little unit on improv. Oh, nice. um, and then in college, I took one improv class for a semester. Mm. So that was a lot of fun too. You know, we did a class performance at the end of the semester and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was very involved in the martial arts mm. and then eventually I got back into uh, scene study classes and I was really, really focused on that for years and years. And um, at one point I, I felt like, okay, well I'm getting very immersed in this and because I'm an actor, I wanted to stretch myself in a different way. Yeah. So I wanted to sign up for improv, but I wasn't quite sure where to do it. And actually where I really started like the improv journey that led to IFTP mm. was going back to USC. And this is really funny how things come full circle sure, because sure. I found out somehow on Facebook about uh, this, this improv troupe on campus mm. that was doing like a free improv jam every Friday. Ah, nice. And at this point I had, I graduated six, eight years prior, yeah. Yeah. but I would just drive to USC every Friday night and it was like outdoors in front of one of the buildings. And I would just do improv with these guys and girls for an hour. And I did that for like one or two years. Wow. And uh, flash forward until um, uh, two months ago, mm. and I was doing a show with Liam, ah. who I did not know was at IFTP, ah. but I had met him. Guest of the podcast. He was, <laughs> yeah, guest of the podcast, yeah. Liam. He was uh, a member of that improv troupe. Mm. So I had met him years ago, and then I ended up getting to perform with him. Wow. And it okay. was super fun. Yeah. So after I did that uh, for like a couple of years, then I started looking at various improv schools around LA. I audited several classes and I found my way to IFTP and I had planned to do it for like a month or two yeah. just to get my feet wet. Yeah, and once I, once I started, I just, I haven't stopped. Wow. I haven't been able to stop. I mean, yeah. cause yeah. it's so fun. I don't even look at it as like a, a training ground or anything like that. I just love to do it now. Yeah. Yeah, just to showing up like you did with those improv jams at USC. I mean, you were just showing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well, it's 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 really the best case scenario yeah. when you have something that you love to do, mm-hmm. but it's also going to help you in your vocation. Mm. Okay, tell me more about that. Tell me more. I mean, because improv is, um, well, it, there's so many things that it opens up. Right. But in my opinion, the goal of Acting is to be improvisational, even if you have a script. I mean, because you can tell when you watch someone on film, you can see if they've planned out every single thing they're doing Mm. or if they are able to get into a state where they have forgotten the entire plan and they're just coming up with things and just living. And, you know, the people 
use and perhaps overuse the phrase in the moment. Yeah. When you use phrases so much, it kind of starts to lose meaning, I feel like. But to me, what that means is that you don't know what you're going to say and do until Mm. you find it in the person you're talking to, in the Mm. situation that you find yourself in, in this particular scene, in this story. And, And that's exactly what you're doing in improv. So, you know, Getting used to being uncomfortable like that, getting used to coming up with things on the fly, I think it helps you access that same mode even when you have a script. Mm. And that's my goal with any form of acting, you know? And it's easier said than done, of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, okay, okay, yeah. I mean, I I definitely agree. Improv is such an important skill set to have in any acting situation. You know, you're on camera, working on a scene, you're doing a stage play, like just having those skills of being able to pull something in the moment, not knowing you're going to need it, but you have the skills and experience to back that up. That's fantastic. So so your improv skills help with your acting work. Um, And do you think there's been any crossover just out of curiosity, between your, your improv work and your work in martial arts? Yes and no. Yes it's, and it's, it's very interesting because a lot of acting teachers have asked me questions like that. Mm. And the martial arts style that I primarily competed in, I told you I did Taekwondo in college yes. for several years, but my primary style was called Wushu. And that's a Chinese style that is related to traditional Kung Fu, but everything is bigger. Everything is more performance-based because it's a competition-style martial art where you do solo routines. Mm. And that's how you compete. And that's where the weapons come in because you do a lot of routines with many different styles of weapons. Jet Li was actually a champion in Wushu. And that's one of the reasons why he became successful in films Mm. is because it's a very presentational style. But in Wushu, everything is pre-choreographed. So there is no improvisation at all, unless something goes wrong, you know? And actually, typically, if something goes wrong in a lot of these competitions, it's like figure skating. You've Mm. lost. (laughs) The moment something goes wrong, you've lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although... You know, not every judge knows your routine. So there have been (laughs) times where I've improvised during my routine and I still won. Um, But I would say after my competition career, then I went back to Taekwondo and I started getting more involved with that again. And that involves a lot of sparring. Now in Mm. sparring, you do have to improvise a lot. And it's interesting because you might go in with a technique that you want to execute. Okay, I'm going to use this technique. But if your opponent throws a different technique Mm. or if the distance changes, you have to completely and immediately change your strategy. Because if you go in with this technique that's not appropriate for the situation that you're in, you'll probably get hit. Mm. So you do have to... it's, It's really interesting. On one hand, you have to commit... But on the other hand, you have to be ready at the drop of a pin to improvise and completely change whatever you're doing. So it's, it's, I mean, it's not high stakes insofar as that you typically wear protective gear and stuff, but it is high stakes in the fact that, uh, yeah, you could get hit and, um, you know, things can happen. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So I, I really loved what you were talking about there, this idea, right? You're going and you're committed, right? You're smart. Mm -hmm. You you better be committed. (laughs) Um, but you're also having to respond and adjust in the moment, right? Because you don't know what's going to come back at you from mm-hmm. your opponent. And I think 
same thing is is true in improv in a way, right? When we're in a scene with a scene partner, we don't know what they're going to throw at us, you know, and we can try and plan ahead, you know, to an extent, but at some point something's going to come our way and we just got to accept it and roll with it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. At the same time, like we're saying, if you wait to commit, thinking mm. something's going to come your way, yeah. uh, he who hesitates is lost, right? Ah, so you have to fully commit, but then you have to be ready to pivot because yeah. there's new information, there's new people, mm. you know, and if something uh, happens, you might even need to change what you're doing and the information that you've been given, or as uh, Matt always tells us, to address what happened. Okay, I said this person's name, but it was this name and all right, let's let's go towards that, you know? Instead of trying to ignore it, let's let's move to it and acknowledge it. Yeah, using the information that's there, right? Mm-hmm. That your partner or opponent opponent, yeah, gives to you. <laughs> well, it's interesting like um in in Mandarin actually, mm-hmm. the word for like fighting is da, which kind of means like, I mean, roughly translated, it kind of means like partner hitting. Mm. So there is that element of partnered collaboration, even when you're fighting. Mm. Mm. I like that. And, you know, as Bruce Lee said, he says, when the opponent expands, I contract. When the opponent contracts, I expand. Uh, so yeah. you have to find this partnership yeah uh, even when you're going against somebody yeah the ebb and flow almost of the fight or of the scene yeah a lot of parallels here wow pretty crazy (laughs) (laughs) no but i i I love your insight on that and just making those connections because i think uh just like your your history and your story of like how you got here right now i just am fascinated by like your experience (laughs) of you know, martial arts and improv and just this unique blend of skills and experiences that you have. So it's, it's cool to see how it all weaves together in a way. And it's interesting because sometimes you don't even realize how it weaves together. And then when you ask me a question, I think, Oh yeah, well I have been doing this in, you know, in China and the U S and this style and that Mm. form and that art. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, I mean, art, uh, there's this book called, uh, the art spirit by Robert Henri. And he says, art is anything done well. Mm. And I believe in that. That's why, you know, there's culinary arts. Yeah. There's uh, performance arts, there's fine arts, there's martial arts, right? Mm. It's all a form of art. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, I think so often we try to define art, but I think that's, it's a very simple and understandable way to put it. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like if it's done well, you, you know, you can see it and you can recognize it and know that it's art. I think mm-hmm. that's so true and how it applies to all those different areas. I, I 100% agree. Because yeah, I think, you know, you know, what is art? But I've never heard that definition. My mind is blown right now. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's liberating, really, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah, I think, I don't know, especially with something like improv, like you want it to be art, but <laughs> sometimes it's not. Sometimes... Yeah, and I like how in our uh, scenes sometimes Mm. uh, Matt will say, well, okay, you know, it can be a dramatic scene. Yeah. Right? It it doesn't have to be whose lines in any way improv. It can be short form. It can be long form. Whatever. We don't have to limit ourselves to this very specific conception. Or Mm. I I was waiting for the chance to bring this up. Ah. This is as good of an opportunity as any. I remember very specifically a scene you and I did together. Mm. I think we were working at Regal Cinemas. 
I don't know if I can yes. uh, drop a product placement yes. here, but uh, we were working at a, at a movie theater. Yeah. yeah, shout out to now bankrupt Regal Cinemas. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm yeah. devastated. I saw a movie there maybe a month ago. Oh, well, yeah. It's, that didn't bring them out of the red? I think it's... <laughs> yeah, they, well, you can go see one more, maybe, oh, and that'll okay, help. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, um, I'll see what's playing. I don't know what was going on, but it yeah. was stuff like someone someone came into the scene and said, hey, do you guys know so-and-so? And I was like, no, I don't know that person. And then I was like, oh, that guy doesn't work here. And like all this stuff. Yeah, and at the end, yeah. uh, Matt said, you know, you guys broke every rule of improv. We did. Yeah. Like, I remember, that. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And he said, you know, if you go by like the textbook definition, that was like a terrible scene. <laughs> but it was it was hilarious. And it, yeah. it somehow it worked, yeah. you know? And... Um, Improv can be that too. Yeah. We did an exercise the other night. I think it was Jamie who said like, mm. I want you to try as hard as you can to do a terrible improv scene and mm -hmm. break every rule that you can. And they were hilarious and they were fun too. Yeah. And that was, I mean, we were still improvising, you know, yeah. we we're still coming up with it as we, as we were interacting. Yeah. You just had that yeah. objective of like, I'm going to try and make a terrible choice, which I think in a way probably made some really good scenes. It, yeah. it, it did. It did. It was almost like anti-progression. Mm. Like this scene was, it was, it was almost, it was moving, but it was moving backwards. It was, it was very interesting. Oh. Yeah. That is interesting. Okay. Well, circling back on that, I mean, yeah, I, I'm now like replaying that scene in my head. As much as I can remember. <laughs> that scene was, I had so yeah. much fun in that scene. I it was hilarious. And it was with too. Dylan, I think too. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah. had his like hood up and he was being really weird. Yeah. He came in and I think, I, I think we had trouble defining who he was. If he was a customer or like our boss or something like, <laughs> I remember it's, uh, I, at one point Matt said like, Dylan, turn out to the audience. And he yeah. just turned and looked at someone for like 10 seconds straight <laughs> and just stared. Oh, oh Dylan. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I want to ask you Sky. Cause I know you've been doing improv for a little while. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of experience. I mean, going back to middle school, um, <laughs> I want to ask you about two moments, if you can think from your improv life, if you will. Uh, I, I want you to tell me about maybe your highest improv moment where you're like, yes, improv. And then maybe your lowest improv moment. Okay. Um, interesting. I mean, there have been so many fun moments yeah, in improv. Yeah. But I think one that just springs to my mind immediately was the first show I ever did with IFTP. Mm. And when I was in high school, I used to mess around with my friends and always do like this Nicolas Cage impression. Oh, I love a good Nick Cage impression. Yeah, yeah. who doesn't, right? Yeah. And so we did the first uh, IFTP show that I was a part of, mm. and that was when the theater was being renovated. Oh, okay. So we actually did it at the Santa Monica Playhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Matt asked for suggestions from the audience. Mm. And someone suggested Nicolas Cage and I just grabbed onto yep. it and I yep. ran with it. So we started out the show with these clap-ins and um, I kept kind of coming back in and out of these scenes as Nicolas Cage. Mm. And then at the end, I remember um, someone, one of these characters had like died. And so then I clapped him in for the next scene and I was kind of doing my cage impression and stuff. And he's like, what, what's going on? Where am I? And I said, oh, I'm Nicolas Cage. Hi, welcome to hell. And, and we blacked it out right oh, there. Okay. And it was just, Perfect. and uh, afterwards, everybody in the audience who came up, they just loved this Nicolas yeah. Cage yeah. thing. So yeah. that was a great, great first experience oh, to yeah. perform with IFTP. It's just like perfect 
set of circumstances. Well, maybe. I know. Uh, Actually, have you seen that movie, um, Don't Think Twice? I have seen that movie, yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me, although in a different context, of when uh, Keegan-Michael Key, he's going to do a show, and I think there's going to be someone from the Saturday Night Live equivalent. Mm -hmm. And so he starts doing all these characters that he's good at and just shoehorning them into scenes. Yeah. And this was like an example where that kind of, it worked yeah. in the structure, yeah. thankfully. Because, I mean, it came from the audience, so yeah. what were you to do yeah. but accept it? Exactly. <laughs> they gave you that gift. Uh -huh. And uh, thank you for giving us a little taste of Nicholas there. Appreciate, <laughs> it. Appreciate it. All right, so that's that's your highest improv moment. What would you say the opposite of that? What was your lowest moment? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been fortunate that I haven't had any moments in front of an audience that were mm. really humiliating or devastating, but... Yeah. Now that I have thought about it a little bit more, I actually do recall this moment that was in a class and uh, I was doing just a two-person scene with somebody and my partner brought up um, like some very like sensitive topic. Uh, let me, how do I put this? I don't know. Should I just say it when he, when he said it's not... <laughs> I oh, look, keep he, it anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. This person said something about like the Catholic church and, oh, okay. you know, these yeah, types yeah. of abuse things, which, you know, uh, pretty heavy. Yeah, it, exactly. It can get heavy. And so I didn't really want to address that in a comedic scene. Yeah. And I also, you never know what people have been through in their yeah, lives, people who are watching. So I kind of tried to change the topic. And then I think this person maybe kept going with it. And then I was just completely lost. And I was just standing there and, and I got really nervous. And then our teacher kind of ended the scene and talked to us. And um, yeah, I felt I, I was, you know, I, I don't know. Because then the teacher was like, well, you know, it got way more awkward when mm -hmm. you backed away from it and, and tried to pretend like it didn't happen instead uh -huh. of just maybe yes anding the and being the most important part because maybe it would move us somewhere else because yeah. um, i guess you could say i kind of negated it a little bit because i was trying to move away from it and um so that was like a very i was i, I guess you know i i'm the kind of person i can be hard on myself i was mm. disappointed in myself for yeah. not being able to move uh through that and it was just a a weird feeling, but then kind of to once again, bring it around to what we're talking about right now. If I had worked with my partner, yeah, even if my partner and I were not on the same page, it maybe could have gotten us through that instead of trying to separate from my partner. That didn't mm. help things. Yeah. Yeah. Because by like saying like, Whoa, this topic could be intense. I'm going to move us in a different direction. Right. It was like, yeah, it's a decision. And I, I know I've been in a similar situation and yeah. I made that choice of oh, let's try and move away this way. And it, mm -hmm. it makes it pretty tough. It makes it pretty tough. Yeah. Okay. So I feel you there and good on you. Good on you. But you stuck through the scene, you know, you didn't. Well, out. no, that's true. I mean, well, the, at the acting school that I used to go to, they said, never call cut on yourself. Mm. So yeah. I don't think I, I've never done that at IFTP. Yeah, no um, way. But you know, then the, our teacher blacked us out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, look, <laughs> okay, so I want to uh, I want to um, touch back on something you said there, because uh, these these moments, right? Um, these high highs and these low lows. And you had mentioned that in shows, you feel like you've never really had a low. Do you think 
being in an improv show is easier than being in an improv class. Well, I didn't say I've never had a low. I said I've never had the lowest low. True, true, true. Not the lowest low in a show. Okay. I mean, I remember even like two shows ago, I tried some, I, I did a religious joke and yeah, um, it wasn't, I think it was kind of, it was not necessarily the religiosity of it. It was like mm. too specific. Sometimes if you do things that are really, really specific references, which I do on occasion yeah. in my personal life as well yeah, as in yeah, improv. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, people are not going to understand that if they haven't watched a million movies or something. Yeah. But, you know, I was with Liam mm. and he, so he actually did the thing where he acknowledged it, right? Yeah. And then added to it and then and he got a laugh. And then we moved on. So it actually yeah. turned out okay. But I remember yeah, yeah, so going cool. back to like my little stool and thinking like, wow, yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. That maybe wasn't the best topic choice yeah. or reference to be making. It just didn't make sense really. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what's easier, you know, the energy is way higher for a, for a show. Yeah. And so, yeah, in some ways maybe a show is easier yeah. because it almost feels like everybody's on the same page. Yeah. You know, you never know when you're doing a class, people could be coming from work. People could be, you know, having things going on in their lives and whatnot. But when people come together for a show, everybody knows why they're there and they know what they're there to do. Uh, it's usually on a weekend. I think that probably helps. Oh, Who yeah. knows? hundred percent. Yeah. But the energy is always so high um, that, there's kind of a sense of community instantly, even with people that I've never even met. There's been times mm. I've done shows with people I've never met before yeah. and it just worked, you know? Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, I think like you said, there's that, <clears throat> that energy coming on the weekend. Everyone's buying in, right? Like the audience is like, yeah, see some improv. Exactly. Everyone who's in the show is like, we got to do a show. We're here for some improv. And mm -hmm. I think just that idea of like everyone buying into that, yeah, it brings something different than in a class where, like you said, it's the unknown circumstances of everyone in the room. And, you know, there's not that pressure of an audience being there. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's hard to get your energy up every class, every yeah. weeknight. Yeah. Um, and so when you have that thing you're looking forward to, that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's it's good that we have both, you know, both those spaces to like play in. As yeah. A, as yeah. Yeah. Say. That's but true. I think shows, you know, shows are when it it all comes together. Hopefully you're like, wait, I did this in class. You know, I put in this time, these right. reps. And then in class, you know, that's a space where you want to fail hard. You want to tank and like have those moments of learning and experience because it's safe. Mm -hmm. You can. And you know, I you know I've had, oh man, so many times <laughs> class are like, Phew. like you sit back down in your seat and you're like, well, that was a scene, but you know, it's okay. That's why you're there. But you're always committed. That's what I love. And uh, I feel like, well, from what I've seen you, you always bring the energy too. And commitment and energy goes a long way. And well, in anything in life, right? Yeah, but yeah, definitely in improv. Even if people are saying things that don't make sense or whatever, if you're committed <laughs> to whatever you're saying yeah, and, and you're bringing energy, you know, physically or emotionally, vocally, right? It, automatically just lifts everything. Mm. Mm. I agree. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So we know about your improv experience, your highs and highs, your lows and lows. What impact would you say, do you think that uh, doing improv or participating on improv has had in your life, whether your personal life, I know you talked about your vocation a little bit. All right. So what, uh, I guess, how have you seen that translate just over the years, you know, going back to middle school even? 
Yeah, I remember this moment actually in college, which was that was the first time where I ever committed to an improv class. And we would we would kind of, you know, be doing like freeze tag or whatever. Yeah. And I would be getting these ideas like, oh, you know, I'm gonna come in here, I see that position, I'm gonna come in there and do this. And then I would ask myself, Oh, wait a second, is that a good idea? And then someone else would go in and mm. I'd miss it. Yeah. And that would happen again and again for the first few weeks. And then finally I said, okay, look, whatever. I'm just going to do it. I don't care what happens. And I did it and everybody laughed. Mm. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm going to try that again. And I did it again and it worked again. And, it, you know, people didn't laugh every single time, but it was like a pretty high success rate when I wanted to do something and I just trusted myself to go in there and do it. And that was, it was a very liberating realization that, okay, if you don't second guess yourself, then you're much more likely to succeed. Yeah. And you're also much more likely to have fun. And then when you're having fun, you're more likely to succeed. So it's kind of this cycle that propagates itself. Yeah. So that was a very concrete realization. And by the way, when you have a realization like this, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it for the rest of your life. Because there's so many times where I've said, what's going on? What am I? Why am I just, no, I don't think I should do that. You know? And I have to remind myself, and it's not even in the moment. It's after class or it's mm. the, the you know, next week. I remind myself, okay, wait, remember, this is a class. Or, or even if it's a show, okay, it's a show. We're going to be doing more shows, right? This is not the last show of your life, and your life ends if it uh, doesn't go well in, in one uh, bit. So um, that was something that was very impactful. I don't know if I forgot your question. I'm not sure if that even answered it. Yeah, no, you're definitely, you're definitely out there. Yeah, just oh like, yeah, my my the life on your life. Yeah, the, the impact on my life. Well, right there, just not second guessing yourself. Yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah, you know, you can't second guess yourself in in an athletic competition. You can't second guess yourself. You won't no score a point, or you won't, um, you know, stick the landing, whatever it may be. But also, improv's made me a lot more collaborative. Mm. It's made me, I think, just not not only willing to but wanting to collaborate with people because in improv you realize that you can make something with anybody yeah especially at this school which is one of the things i love so much about it is that not every single person at this school wants to be on saturday night live you know people just love improv and they come from all kinds of different backgrounds they come from all kinds of different careers and they jump in and they're really talented and so, okay, I want to work with that person. I want to work with that person too. And these are people, sometimes you don't even know them or yeah. they, you know, work in fields you've never even heard of. And here we are, we're doing a scene together and I, and I want to do it with yeah. everybody. Yeah. Isolate that sound bit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Put that on Instagram. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I love that point where you said it, it makes you want to collaborate more. And then just you have this ability in improv, right? You can collaborate with almost total strangers. I think mm -hmm. that scene you referenced earlier between you and I, uh, the Regal Cinema scene. Yeah. Ooh, Regal. <laughs> Hang in there. Um, I... I'm pretty sure that was maybe the first time we met, or I think I'd only seen you maybe a couple times around the studio. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely like the first or second time I had had done a class with you, yeah. and uh, yeah. it might have been the first scene. That yeah, ever done. Oh, I think I think it might have been. I'm trying to remember. I'm dusting off the cobweb. I know it was you and your uh, roommate. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, my yeah, he's uh, Tyler. Yeah, him and I used to be roommates. Future podcast guest, maybe. Future we'll podcast, see. yeah. You guys were hilarious together. Oh. He's really uh, committed yeah. to yeah. And, but, you guys had a similar energy at that time when I yeah, would watch do. you do scenes. Yeah, that's 
it's quite fun just because yeah we were roommates for a while so we love jumping into scenes that's awesome yeah uh i think wow also thank you yeah just yeah man i mean like whenever i i see something that somebody does that mm. i like I try to ask myself, okay, one, what are they doing? Mm. Two, what do I like about it? Mm. Three, how can I do it? Yeah. So if That's it's how that- you get better. That's how you learn. Yeah, yeah. I'm always, even in things that I like, I mean, yeah. I watch movies and I love watching movies mm. and I'm analyzing just about every single movie that I watch. Yeah. What do I like about this movie? What would I have done differently in this movie? Yeah. And uh, it's- the performance, the story choices, all those things. Absolutely. Everything, yeah. the score, you know, the editing, whatever mm. it may be. Um, and so I, I do in class too. And yeah. I see things, mostly it's when I see things that people do and I think, oh, wow, you know, that was really interesting how that person just made it such a bold choice, mm. you know, or that person went really big with something or whatever, you know, I love watching that. Yeah. And I love then thinking, okay, let's go, let's go to the next scene sky and let's just go, whatever comes to my mind, just like jump into it right or or sometimes for me matt said this the other day it's like don't be the first one to do something sky you know? uh, and i've had times where that was super fun and something yeah. came out of that yeah huh. i like that don't be the first one to do something oh that's interesting it's note. different for everybody yeah yeah oh, but i like that i'm gonna tuck that <laughs> all right all right that's very cool wow okay so what do you think or where would you like improv to take you next? Because it sounds like, you know, it's something you want to keep working on. You keep studying and just keep showing up just for the fun, for the play. Um, but is there something you hope to learn or take away or help you in a future career move, in a future life move? You know, what does that look like? What's next in your improv journey? Well, I've never, I don't think I've ever told this to anybody. Oh, okay. okay. So this is a, this is a breaking news exclusive breaking news. on... Dee, 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 dee. Yes, improv for the podcast. Oh, okay. uh, I would love, I would love to host Saturday Night Live one day. Ooh. I've never, I've never said that, but hey, speak it into existence, yeah, right? Yeah, and visualize it, right? And it's, I, I don't, to be honest, well, I don't know if this will hurt my chances. I don't watch a ton of Saturday Night Live, but what I do watch. You won't tell. Is, <laughs> yeah, right? No, yeah. Um, we just edit that one snippet yeah, out. That, no, that, um, what I like to watch, actually, let me rephrase that right in a positive. Yeah. What I like to watch on Saturday Night Live is when there is an actor or actress who I like and I respect and I enjoy their work. I go and I like to see all the things that they're in. And yeah. sometimes I think, oh, wow, that was so incredible. Oh, my goodness. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm actually kind of surprised because, mm. you know, that person is such a great actor and maybe they were thrown for a loop a little bit with this improvisation. So since we've done these shows and everything, I mean, I love to perform in general. I love to improvise. Yeah. And I think it would be a total blast. Um, so that might be a few years down the road, but yeah. that's something yeah. I'd really, really like to do with improv. And I know it's not totally improvised, but you know, I, there's an element of that. Yeah. Too. I mean, it's live television at the end of the day. So there's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So you're going to have to improvise something as for like more in the short term. I think I just want to more and more develop the relationship to myself where mm. I just trust whatever comes to my mind. Mm. You know, you have to have that element of self-trust, uh, well, in any field, right? But especially yeah. in acting, because when the camera rolls, if you're second-guessing yourself, mm. then the camera's going to see that you're not fully engaged. You, your up. mind is somewhere else. And, and you just, I think you, you, just, you shrink, mm. you know? Yeah. So just to completely trust myself to 
be able to do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And that's, decisions. that's exactly my goal with improv. It's just mm. to say, okay, well, I'm not here for a result. I'm here just to do whatever, whatever happens and immerse myself in that. Mm. I really love that. And I think just hearing you say like that idea of like, if you don't know what you want or don't know what you're going to do, it's going to show up on camera. Oh yeah. I know. Uh, I haven't done some scene study classes. I've seen that show up in my own face. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all so have. That one, that one hits home. I'm like, dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a that's that's a really important observation, I think. And just yeah, that idea of trusting your gut. You know, it's easy to say, but how often do we actually do it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Just go with it. All right. Well, Sky. Thank you uh, just for sharing your improv lessons that you've learned, uh, telling us a little bit of history about yourself. Um, And I think what I want us to remember, you know, from our conversation and for those of you at home, uh, just thinking about the idea of being able to collaborate, you know, with anyone, you know, someone shows up, you want to collaborate with them, right? This idea that improv can help you get to that point and uh, being able to just on a whim, trust your gut, make decisions. That's a huge thing. Something I'm working on too. I think it's easier to do an improv than in life. I will say that. That's true. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. some people, some people it's easier for them to do in life than an improv. I know, I know. And good for them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something I want to keep in mind. And this idea of, you know, whether we're in a fight or an improv scene, or maybe just a conversation with a friend, mm-hmm. uh, this idea of, you know, observing and taking in what they're saying versus already planning where I'm going to go before I know what's going on. And being able to pivot and adapt mm, pivot any and moment adapt. when you have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a universal skill right there. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So thank you for that wisdom. Now, Sky, are you, uh, are you ready to play some improv games with me? I have been ready, Michael. Okay. Oh, been ready. All right. All right. Well, let's see what we got here for you, <laughs> Sky, today. So we're going to be playing a few games this evening. And uh, for this first game, pretty simple one, we're going to be playing a scene-based game called Questions Only. And in oh, this yeah. game, uh, you and I will play through a scene. We can only ask each other questions to progress the scene. Okay. And I'll give us a suggestion of a relationship before we begin, you know, mm-hmm. just because, uh, you know, the live studio audience couldn't make it tonight. So, <laughs> you know, we got to help ourselves out. And, uh, you know, just at some point, I will, I'll black out the scene and then we'll move on to our next game. So our relationship, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out who is who once the scene starts. Mm-hmm. Again, questions only. A priest sinner. Oddly oh, topical. <laughs> this is perfect. My moment of redemption, shall redemption. we say? Well, yeah. we'll see how the scene goes. <laughs> All right. So the game is questions only. We have a priest-sinner relationship. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Father, may I confess something to you? Son, have you ever had to ask me that? Many times over the years. I don't know why I'm scared of you. I'm not sure why you come in here every day. And I'm wondering what it is that you've been meaning to tell me. Well, Father, I guess that's what I'm asking myself. I want to know what is on your mind. I mean, will you tell me what is on your mind? What is on your mind? What is on my mind? Father, it's, is it a sin to, to order DoorDash delivery? Is the food that you ordered less than two blocks from you? I'm not sure the exact distance, but 
it was very close. Is that wrong? Is the food that you ordered a casual dining chain? Father, is it a sin to DoorDash fast food that's less than two blocks away? My son, did you think by asking this question that you would be absolved of your sin of ordering Chipotle that's across the street from your apartment? I was hoping you might forgive me for my sloth. My son, did you think that I have not been seeing you opening your door and accepting a DoorDash delivery of a Sofritas burrito bowl every night for the past two weeks? You saw the DoorDash delivery verification photos. My son, did you think that the ring camera on the front of the church was broken? What must I do to absolve myself of my sins? Have you thought about switching to Taco Bell? Blackout! Oh, oh man, I forgot what questions were there. For <laughs> I was like, wait, questions. So you you held solid. Well, um, I think we both forgot what a question was for a second. I, I haven't know. played that game in a long time. Yeah, no, we did. I was like, ah, <laughs> this will be an easy one. And then we were in it, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> You know, bringing it home at the yeah. end. Yeah, just, you know, it's it's fun to play a game that just breaks one of the most, like, basic rules of improv. Just yeah. every line. I Good love point. It. Just like, let's just break the rule back and forth yep. for several minutes. Yep. Great. And, uh, you know, thank you for your forgiveness as well. <laughs> that is a, that might be a sin I have committed uh, somewhat recently. But we don't need to get into the details. I, I think everybody's done that in the last two years at least once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe even today. Who's hey, who say? knows, right? Who knows? All is hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that would be crazy. All right, so for this next game, Sky, we're going to be playing. It's called Speech. Speech. And uh, you have to do that when you say the name of the game. Oh, okay. I just made up that rule. That's a new rule. I like it. So in this game, Speech. Speech. <laughs> that won't get old. Oh, in this game, uh, you are going to be tasked. Uh, with giving the speech of your lifetime, essentially, to convince oh, yeah. me to do something or to say something. Okay. We don't know what that is yet. We're going to find out. We will get a suggestion. But okay. again, this game is called Speech. Speech. That's fantastic. And you know what? You're so nimble moving around the microphone when you do that. I know. I, you know, I didn't practice, but I am really trying to be cautious. Yeah, you improvised. <laughs> it, uh, ah. You are a centaur. And I have invited you to prom and you want to get out of it. So you're trying to convince me to not go with you to prom. You're a centaur. All right, here we go. Let's play some speech. Speech. All right, and whenever you're ready, Sky. Hey, man, you know, life as a centaur, it's, just, it's no easy picnic in the park, man, you know, and you think you want to live with that It's your high school prom? Man, you know, you ever see, you ever seen a, a horse? You ever seen a horse going down the street at a parade with policemen riding them? And you know what they do, man? They just they poop right there on the street. You gotta have a little little man with a shovel cleaning up after him. That's you at prom, man. If you bring me, you know, you know what's going on. I'm just I just poop poop out my horse butt. 
The whole the whole night I'm gonna be pooping and it's real big horse turds. It's not little little small human log turds, man. No, it's real big roly polies, man. They they stink, you know. And I can't I can't even get a tux to fit this brother. I gotta just go, man, with you know everything hanging out. You could get in you could get in real big trouble for that, man. Jeffrey. I mean, you know you gotta you're gonna you know graduation's coming up. Could get expelled, man. Could get expelled on prom night because your date has been arrested for indecent centaur public exposure, and that could be a real bad press clipping to add to your college resume. Well, those are some quite a laundry list of reasons you don't want to go to prom with me, yeah, Jeffrey. man. Uh, well, would you be willing to dance with me? Uh, you know, slow dance on the dance floor. Oh man, you know, centaurs, we don't really dance, you know, I mean, we got, we got four, we got four horse legs and then two human arms and the, you know, left and right brain don't compute it and you get all tangled up and falling down, breaking, breaking a hip and just send us to the glue factory, man. So my death is on your hands, brother. My blood is on your hands tonight. Well, Jeffrey, I really wanted to go to prom with you, but I, I don't want to kill you. (sighs) Boy, you've put me in a tough position here. I'm dead. I'm dead if I go to prom with you. No, Jeffrey, I'm sure you'll be all right. Well, what if, you know, we skipped out on prom and we could go somewhere else? Where would you want to take me, Jeffrey? Feed store. Blackout. Oh, my goodness. Was that was that a little bit of Harry Carey in there? You know what? Well, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. That's kind of, in my mind, it's more Gary Busey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone else asked me if it was a Harry Carey, too. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, you've seen that SNL sketch? I have. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That, that's favorites. classic, classic. Yeah, yeah this talks about the moon. Oh, man. It's like, <laughs> what if it were made of ribs? And I can't do the voice, but... Uh, okay, but now that you've said Gary Busey, I can that 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 clicks. That clicks. All right, well done, well done. You know, you came up with a lot of good reasons not to go to prom with a centaur. Thank you. You, you don't yeah. often think about that. That suit situation no. is that's pretty serious. I think that could pose some problems. You know what? I almost wanted to do a Nicolas Cage impression. Oh, because I remember years ago, my mom sent me this little cartoon from the New Yorker, mm. and uh, it was a centaur. On his phone with his uh, agent, yeah, and he was saying, uh, "Right now, they say the roles between me, a guy with a horse head and a human body, and Nicolas Cage." Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's an amazing comic. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, that's like you got to throw that on the fridge, you know. Just keep that as a reminder. I wonder. Yeah, I don't think I still have it. I'm sure oh, it's on Google right. Images yeah. somewhere. Now, random question, but um, if a horse were to wear pants, or no, not a a centaur were yeah. to wear pants, would the pants go on the front or the back? I'm pretty sure it would go on the back. Yeah, but <laughs> would they? You know, I, I'm not sure. Well, you know what? I think the answer lies in your imagination, and no answer you give mm. is wrong, Michael. Mm, I like that. I don't want to be wrong about horse pants. Yeah. Yeah, now I... I think I'm going to Google horse pants when I get home and see what I can find. But maybe not. Ah, spoil the mystery. <laughs> All right. We've got one more game okay. for us today, Sky. And uh, I'm excited to see where this one goes. So in this game, uh, we're, it's called One Up. 
So our objective <laughs> in this game is that oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you and I are going to attempt to just one up each other, you know, whatever that looks like. And we're going to try and build slow, you know, not immediately okay. go to, I'm the dictator <clears throat> of the universe and you have no rights, you know, nothing, you know, <laughs> simmer, 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 simmer until we get to a rolling boil. All right. And we will get a suggestion of a starting location for this game, um, you know, which can be helpful. All right. So we are in a cave. It's our starting location. Love it. I think I think about cavemen a lot, actually. Oh, okay. You've done your homework. Yeah, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Well, I I don't think about cavemen or cavewomen or cave anybody. So uh, we'll do our best. So this game is called One Up. (laughs) Sky and I are going to slowly one up each other. uh, And our location is a cave. Here we go. This dirt. It's nice. I like it. It's, It's mine. Yeah, Agnar, that's some uh, that's some pretty nice dirt you got over there, but uh not gonna lie to you, my pile of pebbles that I've been sleeping on, pretty good for my lower back pain. Two cause I do enjoy the sight of your pebbles. Mm-hmm. But I have here a small pile of leaves. And as we know, leaves come from the plant world. Oh. Living things undeniably superior mm. 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 yes it is known it's known but uh Ugnar, uh i noticed that uh my pillow that i have over here you know next to my pile of pebbles my pillow you know what it's made of it's made of uh rats fur pretty pretty swanky pillow to uh you know rub my face upon each night as i lay down on my pile of pebbles i uh I feel sorry for you, Agnar, that you don't have a rat skin pillow. Oh, what I would give for a rat skin pillow. Mm, much and more. I asked myself that question every night. Every night as I went to bed. Until I got a pterodactyl's wing for my blanket. And I never asked myself for a rat skin pillow again. Pterodactyl wings are the finest of blankets mm. and the rarest, mm. too. It is known, yes, amongst the tribes. Uh, how I envy thee for thy blanket. But, you know, I'm glad you have some small comforts, I suppose, because, you know, I often find myself dining on a roast rack of uh, spiders for dinner. Yes, I... I go out into the woods and I hunt down myself eight to ten spiders, you know, those massive spiders, and I put them up on a skewer and roast them over the fire. And my goodness, if their thoraxes aren't delicious. Mm, My mouth is watering. Sorry that you didn't get to taste one of my delicious spiders for dinner this evening. In truth, too, cause my mouth does water too. Mm. At the thought... Of your roasted spiders. Thank you, Ugnar. I'm quite the chef. Any meal in your cave is a a boon of infinite beneficence. Wow. But I too have a meal in the cave. And I've prepared for myself the spleen of a woolly mammoth. The most delicate part of a mammoth's body. Mm. And its deliciousness is beyond compare. Mm. Well... I've heard the spleen of a woolly mammoth is delicious, but frankly, I have IBS, so I tend to stay away from mm. mammoth spleens. It is no matter, because uh, I do don the finest cape 
when I go out and tread through the through the land, you know, when I leave the cave, I like to throw on my human skin cape. Yes, it's actually made of my cousin Snickolas. Yes, I uh, have a cape made from him. He's always with me, covering and watching my back, and I, I doubt you you wouldn't see a finer cape out there. So I may not have mammoth spleen, but I've got a Snickolas skin cape. Like what a cape that is! It is it is indeed quite fetching on you. In fact, yes, I think I I have just invented the wheel, and I will use my wheel to go to the neighboring tribe where my cousin lives, mm. and I'll kill him to make a cloak as well. Wow, that's an impressive invention. Your mind is, you know, so good for those small tasks of inventing wheels and things like that. Good. For you, Agnar, good to put your little brain, you know, to something that that can benefit our society. Well, meanwhile, I've just recently been elected as a supreme chief of the local system of caves. I'm I'm the cave king, is what they're going to call me, the cave king. And uh, you know, I I take upon this title with humility. And uh, please, if there's anything I can do for you as your leader, let me know. That that is certainly a generous offer. Yes, of course. As, as cave king, that is me. Um, Thank you, Agnar. I have recently formed an alliance with the saber-toothed tigers of the land. Oh dear! And I am able to ride them and call them at will. And uh, I I have proceeded to conquer all wildlife in our domain. So uh, I will tell them that uh, from now on we'll respect your sovereignty, but that uh, I am the ultimate ruler wow. of this land. Yes. Wow. Oh, God, that is impressive that although you could not unite humans, you could unite some animals. Pretty cool for you, I suppose. But uh, I'll have you know I have just recently taken to wife the queen of uh, our neighboring tribe, the Thumbsticles. yes. Uh, and we have now joined our houses, and I have four children because of it. Yes, the Thumbsticles. I have wedded the Queen of the Thumbsticles, and uh, together we have a family of four young heirs. So uh, prosperity is well taken care of uh, for me, the Cave King. Two cause that is fantastic. Yes, thank you. I'm thank so you. happy for you. Uh, it reminded me to tell you that I recently befriended a time traveler, and uh, I, too, have wedded her. She was attracted to my hairy yet lithe cave body, oh, the, yes. the natural physique of an Olympic athlete. Wow. And uh, we, too, have produced offspring. A woman from the future is my wife. Blackout. Oh, man, yeah, I was going to have a tough time beating that. Dude. Yeah, well, I know. It was hard to one-up some of yours. Gosh, a future woman, you know, what can you do? <laughs> I, I appreciate your alliance with the saber-toothed tigers. <laughs> I, I realized uh, my I've been watching a lot of House of the Dragon lately. Oh, so, that, so they got yeah, cave like, kings there. Right? houses, and I was like, oh, no, that's not even, <laughs> we were talking about caves, but I just, yeah, I get really into it. So, uh, you know, and I think there's a part of me that goes like, can I talk like they do, you know, in those like medieval like using all those words and things like that. You but, could do it. 
Thank you. All right. I That's all I need. You. I'm going to try it tomorrow at yeah. work. There you go. Yes. Bring me a flag and a veil. And <laughs> my coworker won't know what to do. And maybe I'll get to visit HR um, so they can Beautiful. hear yeah. the amazing comments I'm giving out to everyone. Yeah, they'd love that. <laughs> I'll try. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Tune in next week. We'll see how it is. Well, uh, with that, Sky, thank you so much for joining us on Improv for the podcast. Any final words you want to leave us with before we conclude today's episode? <sighs> If you have an opportunity to do improv, do it. You won't regret it. All right. Thank you, Sky Liam Patterson, for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back next time with another episode of Improv for the Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. Improv for the Podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.